there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hello and welcome to the prep to pro NBA Draft Podcast. I feel very weird being the one doing the intro, but uh, Jake, Jake, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Max. How are you? I am all right. Uh, today, we are going to be talking about uh, the value of wing players in team building, because I think that a lot of the time people say that wings are the most valuable commodity in the league, or that they're the most scarce, or that they're the most important for team building. And I don't think that there's ever uh, adequate exploration of why that's the case, because I do think that it's correct. Um, so we're just going to go through a bunch of different types of wings and how they really enhance your, your team building with, with some, some examples from, from this draft class from 2020 as well. Um, yeah. So let's get into it. Uh, the first, the first type of initiator that we have, or rather the first type of wing that we have is the sort of trump card that we've talked about a lot in the past, which is the the wing initiator. Um, so, Jake, do you want to you want to get into a little bit of what makes the wing initiator such a valuable commodity? I mean, really, like the prize commodity, kind of in in you know the entire NBA. Yeah, I mean, first of all, I just want did want to preface this conversation with kind of like how it came about. I mean, we always talk about like correct you know like how you're using your assets in the draft what's proper way to team build um stocking up and like the oversaturation at some positions and what i was thinking about is like if you have a ton of wings and just like a handful of them and like the spurs really come to mind right now like i've had so much fun watching and it's that they just have like three or four guys who are six seven six six who have a wide variety of skills and that's really really valuable because you can play them alongside each other it gives you offensive versatility in terms of scheme and concepts you can run it gives you defensive versatility in terms of matchups and not getting you know hunted on on the perimeter and stuff and just gives you added length in the interior there, there's a lot of advantages that it gives you and i do feel like we've seen it with the hawks as well where it's like you kind of accumulate a lot of these wings and see what happens and goes from there and the rest will kind of net itself out and I think we're going to see, like, even if they don't all hit their high-end outcome, they can still all work together in conjunction with each other. And that's why we kind of you kind of came across, like, the types of wings, which is, I think, a really good way to think about it. Because while there is no such thing as having too many wings, there is such thing as having too many strict 3 and D guys who can't put it off the bounce. There is such thing as having too many slashing wings who can't space the floor for you. So I think when you have all those together, um, then you're working with something really special and interesting. But it's it's crucial to identify the distinction and how they can play off each other and benefit now back to like the wing initiator i mean in the most simplistic way it's i was watching the lakers game the other night i think it was lakers pelicans and lebron is a six eight 
240-pound point guard. And because of that, you have all these matchups are a lot of whack, and Kyra Lewis ends up on Kyle Kuzma in the post. And while Kyle Kuzma in the post isn't necessarily like my go-to ideal usage, that's a very advantageous matchup for the, for the Los Angeles Lakers. And there was no switching, there was no screens, there was no back cuts that even required that. It was we have guys that are all six, six and taller and you're going to have to deal with it. And I think the wing initiator really just from a basic, like floor level, I'm trying to like, I don't know how to phrase this, but like at the very least, it puts the opposing team at an inherent disadvantage. If they are starting a, a traditional guard sized initiator in that, like if Kyra Lewis is your, you know, initiate, and we've, you know, the two of us have talked a lot about how, there's not really that much of a – the concept of an on-ball versus an off-ball player is kind of false. Um, but, like, you know, if you are starting Kyra Lewis, you're at an inherent disadvantage if the the lead handler for the other team is LeBron James. Yes, Because, because that, you know, they – they I mean, they might all be playing, a you know, another guy who's 6'3", 6'4", but you can avoid it uh, to some extent, and that, that puts mm-hmm. you at an inherent disadvantage. Um Particularly if if you can manage to field guys who are that size and can also move well enough to to stick with Kyle Lewis. Um, yeah, I mean, oh, so what I was gonna say is like before we even get into the skills, like that's just the basic lineup. Yeah. Um, advent like the advantage that it gives you, um, puts a defense at an immediate disadvantage and needs they're forced to scramble and play outside their comfort zone and do all that. And I think, and then we're gonna get to the skills. Um, the one thing that you really have talked about even before I came on and I saw it in the outline, I was very happy about it. And I think this is very, you see this with Cade a lot is his size, allowing him to see and do these passes that no one else can see or even like execute. Um, There's one I had in mind from the Kansas game in the first half I posted on my Twitter and like he was doubled trapped off a screen, everyone swarming him in his face and a lot of guys would either have to split the trap or get flustered and try to swing out of it. He throws a one-handed whip pass to the opposite corner on a frozen rope. And that's because he could simply see over the trap and he could throw it over them. There's Yes, it, Kate is an absolute wizard that he could even see that and wants to even go to the opposite corner while being blitzed off a ball screen. And that's why he's special. But the ability to even be able to see that and execute that is the ultimate prize of having this big wing initiator yeah i mean we've seen consistently with Cade, you know his handling of things like double teams in the post the the timing is really impeccable and that he has an ability to see these passes over the top and execute them because he can actually just release passes that high in the air but i think that does get it to it to another important point is that by simply being that size, and and I mean, if you have the build of LeBron James or, or Luka Doncic or Kate or Kate Cunningham, that you have access to these play types that that you know Stephen Curry doesn't have. That you mm-hmm. yes, you can be a, a pick and roll genius like Luka Doncic, but then you also have this post ability. So you know, say, say this is a situation where you're you're playing against the Boston Celtics and they they start Kemba Walker. You know that. <laughs> it, it, a, a Luka Doncic versus Kemba Walker post up is probably plus offense um, yeah. because, because not not necessarily because of, of the points that Luka himself will score in that situation, but in his ability to to the you know then orchestrate offense from that position. Um, so yeah, you just you have access to to all of these different play types by being that size, um, 
you can, I mean, as we saw with someone like, like Isaac Okoro last year, I think there's, there's an avenue to, to using him as a role man because of his quick leaping and, and his, his vertical ability and strength um, and just finishing craft around the rim. Uh, so you have this, this diversity of usage that I think translates incredibly well to, to a, you know, a scalable role and a, you know, it just gives you a lot of team building flexibility in that you could be a guy who is, who is the team's primary pick and roll player um, in the case of, of maybe Cade. Uh, but then at the same time, you know, if you're playing with, say you say you are playing with a, a, a guard who, who, you know, also has, has some, some on ball skill, you know, you could, you could then while, while you're not on the ball, you could be a role man. You could, you know, you could be, you know, ducking into the post. Like, like there are all sorts of different things that you could be doing that add value. Um, and I think that that that's one of the sort of really huge things is the the ability to be used in such a diverse way uh, enables lineup flexibility and also enables you to generate impact while off the ball, even if you know a lot of your value is coming on the ball. Yeah, and one another point I want to hit on like the lineup flexibility is you see this with the Mavericks a lot. Um, I'm someone who believes like shot creation ability to get yours off the bounce whenever you want, no matter what the defense is like, that is a premium skill in the NBA. And it just so happens that most of the guys that possess that skill are guard sized. And oftentimes they also lack because they're wired to score first. They might lack the defense and the playmaking and the necessary skills to be a plus small guard. It's very difficult. We talked about it a million times. However, look at someone like Trey Burke, who has made a career for himself just being a microwave scorer playing off of Luka Doncic. And like there is something to that where Luka, because he is so big and is their primary ball handler and their primary playmaker, it allows someone like Trey Burke to kind of carve out a role. And while they're giving up the advantage that we talked about on defense, they're gaining something back on offense by having this big wing that you have to draw so much attention to at all times. And then also having another big time shot creator and shot maker. And I'm not saying everyone should aspire to be Trey Burke. That was kind of just a simple example that came into my head. And I think there it opens the door for a lot of those guys. And it's really interesting and fascinating. I'd love to hear you know how those front offices and coaching staffs think who have these big primary ball handlers and say okay like how do we maximize the lineup against them like are we going to go sometimes we see all size and we're just going to surround them with shooting and while you can build an absolute crazy defense like we've seen with when philadelphia the 76ers go to these crazy big lineups it's virtually impossible to score on them when ben simmons is guarding guards and then you have all these wings and draw and beat it's it's impossible to score on them but then they're very let's say challenged when they get on the offensive end and then what does that look like versus if you go to that small shot creator guard route and you're giving up the defense, but then you're gaining it back on offense. Like we saw Dallas had one of the most prolific offenses in NBA history. And I just think it gives a re- it gives you the option to play around with and get this really intriguing give and take that just isn't even on the table if you don't have these guys. And I think that's the big overarching point. The wait is finally over. Football was in full effect and the NBA is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. Head to Bet Online today and use promo code ARMCHAIR to take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Yeah, you have all of these different ways to build and all of these different um, 
you know, ideas behind a team that, that you can adopt and aspire toward. And it just gives you a lot more options that, that it, it allows you to accommodate talent elsewhere. So like if the talent that you can acquire elsewhere is, is a small guard scorer, you can accommodate that if, if you're built around a, a wing initiator who, um, you know, has, has that, that play type versatility, who has defensive value, you can accommodate that. You can also then accommodate, you know, maybe a, a, you know, paint anchor role man, um, because maybe that just means, you know, relying on more shot making from the wing, relying on, on maybe some more, uh, you know, playmaking from, from that wing creator, but, you know, you can compensate with maybe, maybe the offense is okay. And the defense is elite. I mean, I think you, you see that with someone like like Jason Tatum shouldering mm-hmm. a very, very large offensive load where Jason Tatum is a, is a very good offensive player, but it's this it's the combination of being able to self-create fine offense and being able to anchor elite defenses. And I think that, that that's kind of one of the, one of the big, you know, wh- why the the ideal of this this player, the, the wing initiator, is so game-breaking is that if you have a guy who is your primary offensive creator and then either a high-level defensive contributor um, or maybe even verging to the, to the level of, of defensive anchor, because some of these guys, you know, when you're talking about guys who are six, six, seven, six, eight, um, seven plus wingspans with elite, elite um, instincts and uh, intelligence and strength and physicality, you know, you're, you're starting to get into a guy who, who, can really be such an impactful player at the rim or maybe at the nail. Um, it just as an off ball defender in general, that, that, you know, you're, that's a really kind of a, a defense changing player. And to be getting that on both ends is, is, is really truly a, a trump card in a way that I think like we, we've seen with someone like Giannis, where you can kind of, when you're starting verging toward being both of those things, you do start to, to sort of break, you know, impact metrics and that sort of thing because you're, you're doing, I mean, of course, LeBron James as well. Um, it, it's quite the combination that, that, I mean, look, maybe one of these days we're, we're just going to get a straight up seven footer who is like a Luka Doncic level pick and roll player and Anthony Davis as a, as a defender. And it's just going to be, you know, totally. Wemby, uh, Wemby. <laughs> That's our best shot, I think. But like, I mean, honestly, given that how basketball evolves, like we probably will get that player eventually, um, and it'll just be a totally like sport breaking thing under you know what basketball currently looks like. But these guys are in that mold. Is kind of why why the wing initiator is the commodity in in basketball. Yeah, I mean, and the last point I do want to hit on before we move on from this is like we talked about this all the time. Like this, the bar is extremely, extremely, extremely high to actually fulfill this role. I mean, you were talking about once in every five to 10 years from a prospect standpoint, there's only a handful of guys in the league that can actually do this. When we talk about Cade through this lens, like that means he's special. And that means like there are other guys in this class that as someone who watched a ton of high school ball and AAU ball, we were looking at this class a couple of years ago and you had guys like Jalen Johnson, Jonathan Kaminga, Jalen Green, maybe Scotty Barnes as, oh my God, there are all these big wings who can handle and do this, this and that. And then when it comes down to it and it's actually their draft year and we're evaluating through the hard lens that is an NBA prospect, a lot of times they won't 
be able to check all these boxes and that's more than okay like that's my main overarching overarching point it's more than okay that doesn't mean that you fail or you flopped or you weren't the prospect everyone talked you up to be because this i truly believe this is a generational mold if it actually can be attained to a point that it's valuable to your franchise but this uh, this does need to keep in mind like when we're evaluating guys down the line and we're looking at guys in this draft class like it is very very difficult and you need to be basically flawless um to do this from a size and skill standpoint so i I would just say like wing initiator it's, it's a sexy term but i would definitely like let's tailor it back because the bar is so so high yeah it certainly is and i think with with plenty of guys in this class you can see some aspect of it and you can see what makes the you know the archetypes so appealing in someone like like Jalen Johnson where he had where you can see that he does have access to some of these passes that are unique um in terms of you know where he can deliver them from and the fact that he can even see them um but you, you, you it's just the the overall package of scoring threat that you need to have uh of decision making on on top of of um you know, simply having access to these passes is it, the bar is, is extraordinarily high, uh, as as it is for all players who are going to be entrusted with with an on ball load. Um, all right, so should we move on to to the next sort of style of player that um, I think actually might get a little bit underrated to some extent? The, I, I agree. I agree. Yeah. So th- these would be tough shot makers. And so the, I think the reason this gets underrated is because very few guys actually fit the mold. Like there are very, very few of these guys in the entire world. And they are some of the elite players in the NBA. You know, it's Kevin Durant. It's you know, maybe Paul George. It's certainly Jason Tatum. Um, it's really, really, really hard to be an elite shot maker. But similar to passing, these guys just have, by virtue of, of size and and a level of of uh, you know coordination and 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 shooting, uh, they have access to shots that are just untouchable. Like Kevin Durant can get off a fine shot on every single possession, um, and that that's you know and it's something that can't really be disrupted in any way. Like the the shot itself cannot be disrupted. Like if you can find ways to get Kevin Durant into his shot without exposing the aspects of his game that maybe are a little bit more vulnerable. Like, you know, if Chris, maybe Chris Paul can get into Kevin Durant's handle, but he can't get into his shot. Like no, no one can really do that. So if you can find ways to get Kevin Durant to a shot without exposing his vulnerabilities, which I think you certainly can, there are you know many, many ways to do that. Um, there's kind of nothing you can do. And that might not be great offense, but it does provide a certain floor uh, in late game situations and in late clock situations that if you have that as a release valve on your team, it's intensely valuable. So someone like Zaire Williams, while, while, you know, maybe he has had some, some struggles with his strength, with his handle, uh, with his, with his lack of burst, having the, that tough shot making capability, having just simply a release that's totally untouchable. It, it is a very valuable proposition. The wait is finally over. Football is in full effect and the NBA is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. 
Head to BetOnline today and use promo code ARMCHAIR to take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Yeah, 100%. I mean, obviously Kevin Durant is the otherworldly example of this mold. But I mean, watching KD late game, you, the defense literally just has to hope he misses. I mean, there's nothing you can do about it. There's no such thing as a contest. There's no such thing as something that's going to derail his shot. I mean, we've seen two of it, the biggest shots of his entire career were these walk-in hang dribble threes in the finals against Cleveland. And there's a hand there. The defense is there. The defender's in the correct position. Like, there's just nothing you can do about it. And when you're just that good... It's the notion that contests don't matter. And you see that a lot with Zaire. I know the percentage percentages aren't good. There are a lot of, you know, flaws in his game right now, and I'm not denying that. However, he is really impressive as an off-the-bound shooter, whether it's in the mid-range from three. Um, and I just think, like you said, that does get overlooked sometimes, and it is very valuable, especially when I do think that someone like Zaire is going to be a positive defensively with his lateral movement and team defense instincts when he has access to NBA strength and conditioning and he can put on some added frame and no longer become a literal straw man on the court. Um, I think that we're talking about someone who could be really impactful. Sure, he does have an absolute long way to go and living off tough shots is a dangerous line to toe. But I think when you do hit it, it's very, very valuable. And we talked a little bit about BJ Boston on the last episode. And what I will say is like, yes, we were all wrong ranking him two, three, whatever, wherever you had him, it's not where he is now. However, some of the tough shot making in his high school sample is, is some of the craziest things I've seen. So when you combat that and you're like, okay, this guy is six, six, where do you think BJ is around six, 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 six with the handle and is nailing these tough shots. That's really impressive. And sure, the shooting has not been there. The mechanics are wonky. And that kind of brings me to my next point that I do think for this mold to fit, I do think there is something in your mechanics that does have to be advantageous that gives you this release point and allows it to flow from your dribble into your pull-up very fluidly. Yeah, and, and, that- and Boston probably does not have the mechanics right. for that, which and, would be and a I- significant point of concern. Right, and I think that um, BJ does have a significant hitch in his rise up. Um, is a little bit, it can be a little bit of a lower release sometimes. Versus Zaire, it's straight up on his forehead, getting clean one motion up, and it's in before you can even blink. And that's what you see, guys like Kevin Durant, Brandon Ingram is in his pull up shooting jump, same kind of concept. And I think these guys are very valuable. And I think that's why when you look at someone like Amoni Bates, um, I think that's why a lot of people got very infatuated with Amoni Bates very, very early. Um, it's not normal for six, nine, 14 year olds to be hitting pull up threes. Um, sure, as our friend PD has pointed out, he has some other things to clean up in his game, but th- that's a potential generational skill uh, to be that comfortable pulling up, getting your shot whenever you want it. And being able to make tough shots consistently at a young age is something that I agree with you. It definitely shouldn't be overlooked and is extremely valuable in the long term. Yeah. And then, I, I mean, I think that there is a level of there. I think that there are, you know, other benefits to hitting these shots that they do eventually start to pressure a defense uh, that, yeah, it, these shots are, I think, you know, once, once you're at the Kevin Durant level, you know, the, the defense is not willingly conceding these things. They, mm-hmm. They're go, they're going to start trying to prevent these shots. Um, you know, if you're you know if you're hitting post turnaround after post turnaround, you know maybe d- doubles are going to start to come. 
And then if you do have the, you know, the vision to be seizing on that, or, or I mean, even take it a step further, the manipulation, uh, then you get to a, you know, really, really uh, valuable offensive player. But even, even without that, I just, I think that just the floor that's offered offensively in, in late game situations and late clock situations that you're going to be able to get at least an acceptable shot pretty much whenever you want is worth a lot. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. And I mean, a quick example on that kind of passing about opening up windows. I think Kawhi Leonard is someone who is a great example of that. We see an, an exemplary pull-up shooter, especially in the mid-range when he gets by his primary defender. You don't want to just concede. Yes, the mid-range, we know the numbers, whatever. Kawhi Leonard is a very, very good mid-range shooter. An open mid-range pull-up for Kawhi Leonard is generally, generally going to be plus offense. Um, and I think you're going to see that that draws defenders and We've seen this playmaking leap from Kawhi, um, especially in his time with the Clippers. And a lot of that can be attributed to the reads that he's being sort of invited to make. Um, and we've seen this with Jason Tatum a lot as well. In the playoffs, the bubble last year, all of a sudden he's throwing these skip passes. And yes, it, that takes a lot of practice and actual execution to do it, the film room to see where the opportunities are. But when push comes to shove, if you're not drawing the attention and you're not you don't have the ability to manipulate the defense. And if you have the ability to manipulate the defense and you're a six, eight shot maker, you don't really, you don't really have a lot of room for air. I mean, you don't have a lot of flaws. You actually have a lot of room for air. I misordered that. But Jason Tatum, I think was a perfect example of that when he was driving, dudes are collapsing on him and they're pressuring him to get off the ball. And that invites these playmaking leaps from these big wings that I think we might start to see are maybe more common than we think. Um, I'm not ready to say that there's no statistical research behind that but just anecdotally watching them i know our friend jackson frank too i saw a clip he posted about zach levine throwing some nice skip passes out of pick and rolls to pick and pops and it's just when you generate that much gravity as a pull-up shooter and as a shot maker defenses are closing on you and these reads are going to be there for the taking and I think that is definitely the playmaking. I'm really glad you brought it up because I do think it's a little bit of a low hanging fruit for these bigger. And, and, I, and I think it's a, I think that's a real thing. And I, and like defenses don't want to concede weird, like leaners to Jason Tatum that he's shooting 47% on. Like, is it a great shot? Probably not, but it, it's something that he makes enough that like psychologically you're not going to want to concede it. And it's, so it's not the same thing as these quick rise Russell Westbrook mid rangers that he shoots 35% on. Like those are bad shots and you're fine with conceding. them. But like the, the scoring gravity that comes with hitting these, with hitting these tough shots, I think is very, very real. Um, and I think, ha- you know, has been something that like throughout NBA history that we, that we've definitely seen. Um, so I, I yeah I think that it, it it makes the fruit hang very very low, um, and opens the door like yeah you you, know, you still have to you have to still have to seize it but like it opens the door for really large playmaking leaps that we, that we've seen you know very, very late career for Kawhi Leonard or mm-hmm. you know a ways into Zach Levine's career you know it, I think that having that sort of scoring gravity definitely opens up the the avenue to. For, for exponential growth and value by virtue of, of people just not wanting to get beat by you. All right. So moving on to the next type of wing, uh, you labeled them as the glue guy. And I think that's a perfect title. And it's really because they can go with anyone. They can play with anyone. I think every team should gun for this type of archetype. 
they're scalable. They can play on, off, and they can do just a lot of winning things and help you. They're, I think they're the ultimate ceiling raiser. Um, two-way impact, just the ability to space the floor, play team defense, all the good things. Um, two people that stick out for this mold in this class, you have Moses Moody and Franz Wagner. Um, I know Moody has been pretty more, he's been more on the ball than Franz. I think I've been, he's been able to get to his spots on the ball, which has been impressive. Obviously a very good off-ball player. I like his relocation, his cutting. Uh, and then Franz, just again, also a very good cutter, just smart basketball player. Three-point shooting has improved, which is very big for him. And just both of them, very good team defenders, very aware. And you can just plug and play. They can, they can play with anyone. They're not going to hinder anyone's touches. They're not going to take you out of the flow of your offense or you know, ruin your game plan. They're going to just do what they're asked and excel at it at a pretty high level. So I think this mold is very valuable and someone every team should aim to have if they want to compete at the highest level. And I think those two guys are pretty good examples of that right now. And and that's the type of guy that you can ask him to do a lot of different things and he's still going to generate impact. So if you, if you want this, this type of player standing in the corner, he's going to hit his corner threes when they're open. He's going to add value as a cutter. And then he's bringing versatility and team defense on the other end. And, you know, it just, it doesn't matter the lineup construction or, um, the, the surrounding players or the offensive scheme or defensive scheme. These are players who, who can really just consistently add value um, and, and doing something like scaling them down and marginalizing them to some degree on offense doesn't really sacrifice that much because they can still add value as off ball players, especially if you're someone like, if, if you're someone like Moses Moody, who, you know, who's a very adept off movement shooter. Um, there are all of these different ways to use these guys um, and still be generating value on and off the ball. I mean, it's, and, and, you know, it depends on the, the level of guy you are in this area, but, you know, maybe you can even scale up to, to some level of on-ball usage and, and by virtue of size, if you, if you do have a, a, you know, competent pull-up and maybe can make some very basic pick and roll reads, you know, maybe you can then, uh, you know, offer enough floor offensively for, for maybe a second unit to survive. Um, and so it just gives you a lot of options in terms of how you, how your rotations operate, your offensive scheme. And it's just, it doesn't, these guys don't hinder you at all in team building. And which, I, which is why I think that the, the idea that they're the ultimate ceiling raisers makes a ton of sense because you kind of just throw them in at the end and it's like, yeah, they're just going to make your team better. Yeah. And I, I was someone who really liked Denny in the 2020 class. And a big reason for that was because, you know, I believed in the spot up shooting and I thought that that gave him a floor outcome of this glue guy wing role. Um, whether that's worth a top five or six pick, that's to be determined. And we'll see in the redraft five, 10 years down the line. However, I think I finished with Denny around like five or six. And I, I'm pretty confident in that because he is shooting the ball well right now. And granted, it's very early, but I believe in the mechanics. And ultimately, we're talking about someone who is six nine and just like you said, does a lot of good things on the basketball court. He's going to play team defense. He's going to make the right read. He's going to make the right pass. Can, he can cut, he can knock down the three, just these really little things that, as you said, and I think it is important when you are team building to know where you're at in the process. And while I wanted, you know, I'm a Knicks fan and I was very intrigued by the Knicks taking someone like this as a wing. However, where the Knicks are at, they're not really ready for that to be their, the final touch on, on their 
team building and the roster they have right now versus someone who is looking to be a contender. And that's why I really like some of these wing gambles towards the end of the first, because you're not looking for someone who's going to come up and revamp your franchise. You're just looking for someone who is good at basketball and can contribute in the minutes and with the role that they're asked to do. And I think this archetype is really interesting from that standpoint is that you do have some guys towards the top of every class who ultimately really excel and are the most likely to kind of hit that top end outcome where they can maybe carry a second unit or add some on-ball equity in second side creation. But then you do have like kind of the middle of the pack of this archetype who are going to be lingering in the 20s and the end of the first and the early second. And those guys are really interesting gambles for some teams who are just looking to add that final touch, like you said. So I'm really intrigued by this archetype. Not only do I love watching them, scouting them, I think they're incredibly valuable. And the glue term is perfect for it. Stick them wherever you want, and they're going to make you better. Yeah, I, I tend to think that this is kind of the single most valuable thing you can get. Once once you get beyond genuinely special franchise-changing talents, because of the way that this allows you to just continue building your team however you want. So, like, say you do come across a, a special franchise-changing talent at a later date, but one who needs very specific team building around him. Um this this guy won't encumber you at all. He, in fact, is just going to make you even better. That's why. I, so I think that these are kind of like, if you can get someone who's really exceptional in all facets of the game like this, but you know, is not by no means a, a primary creator type. Um, I do think this is kind of like the most valuable thing you can find uh, among among secondary players because because it's it's really like the the peak of complementary value. Yeah. No. I mean, I definitely. 1000% agree. And I really do want to emphasize the team building versatility point. I think when we're talking about team building salary caps and the books, and are, are you going to have versatility on the books? And we hear that get tossed around all the time. And what about that bad contract? Is that going to hinder you in free agency? And while yes, that is very valuable. We have seen bad contracts completely stall and even kill team building processes altogether. However, there's also something to be said for lineup versatility like we talked about and just i have this guy does that give me free reign to go out and take this gamble on this potential big wing who might have some on ball equity does it give me the flexibility to go out and get this smaller guard who might be dynamic enough to take me over the top but i have other players to cover up for his weaknesses and i think that those like points like that are very interesting and this glue guy ultimately is going to enable you free reign to do whatever you like and i think that's very important Thing to remember yeah and one final thing that i want to point out is that this is a very different thing from what i think is meant by three and d when we're yes. going to talk about three and day three and d a bit later but the the at least my understanding of three and d is you know something that i think could easily be confused with with you know a sort of glue guy like this but is far less valuable um and is i think generally probably an overrated commodity even though it it, it does still have some value um all right, so next we've got more of the team defense specialist. And so why I, and you like you there there are more things that are necessary to be a highly impactful wing player than just team defense. But when you're talking about the really special guys, um I do think that this is kind of its own archetype of player. And the reason this exists is because these guys who are in that 6'7 to 6'9 range are able to, you know, they have a level of range and coordination on top of length 
um, that then, you know, obviously has to, has to combine with, with IQ and instincts to impact defense at a really, really high level and in a, a scalable way. So like the, you know, these guys, your, your Devin Vassell's, your, your Romeo Weems, uh, these guys are never going to have the defensive impact of Rudy Gobert, but they're going to have high defensive impact in more context. Like if you ask Rudy Gobert to hard hedge every ball screen, he would not be the defensive player of the year. When he can play in a deep drop, he, you know, he maybe he has all time defensive impact. But the point is that these guys can sustain the impact a lot more across different constructions and I think across different opponents. And that's what kind of makes them so valuable that they can keep adding this value no matter what. Like, you know, Devin Vassell, Jason Tatum operating around the nail. Um, you know, they, they can they can be deterring dribble penetration kind of no matter who's there. Or they can be making rotations at the rim no matter who the opponent is. Um, so I, I think that it's a really, really valuable uh, avenue to just high-level impact that, yeah, you you don't – you I mean, you definitely don't see from, like, traditional-sized guards – um, maybe with some rare exceptions, uh, but you know, and, and then once you, once you come across a big man who has that level of range and coordination and instincts, you're talking about the greatest defensive players of all time. You know, you're talking about Kevin Garnett, you're talking about Draymond Green, um, Anthony Davis, like you, these are, these are all time players. These are defensive player of the year, uh, winners and candidates. Um, so th- this sort of grouping of, of wing. I think is again, it's something that's, that's wildly undervalued, uh, and and really, really, really uh, can help you build it. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, "What's your secret?" Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only fourteen ninety-five. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. 
Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Defense in a, in a sustainable uh, way. Yeah, I mean, quick little side note before I give my whole spiel on this archetype. I was re-watching some uh, the 2008 Celtics games on YouTube, and Kevin Garnett is absolutely criminally underrated when it comes to historical conversations. He is incredible. So much fun to watch. Um, I know this That's is music, music to my ears. Music to your ears, but I figured I'd just give KG a little credit when we're talking about this type of player. Anyways, but like, this is a really interesting and it's a tough archetype for me, honestly. Um, obviously, I wasn't really as big into the draft as I am now when Thibault was coming up, but I still was watching a ton of basketball, um, had some thoughts, were following some draft Twitter people, and Thibault was someone I always was okay being a little bit lower on because I thought the offense was so far away from even being salvageable at the NBA, at the NBA level. And yes, it's it's very early. I don't want to write him off just yet. However, we are seeing some of those things come to fruition. And I think we talk a lot about guys being unplayable because they're defense, but the same holds true for offense. Um, you've said it on this podcast. If you're a nothing on offense, contrary to popular belief, you are not a neutral. You are giving someone free reign to go help and muck up actions and just leave you alone and play basically have a man advantage. Like we talk about advantages on offense. That's an advantage for the defense. If you are just not having to be paid attention to whatsoever. And so while I think the team defense is incredibly valuable, I've written it, I've written about it before. Um, the main reason centers are so valuable is because they have the ability to impact every single play at the rim uh, versus point of attack guards. You're only even, even the best point of attack guards are only making an impact when they're guarding the ball handler. And that is far less frequent than any player within the five-man offense taking it to the rim. So therefore, centers are much more valuable than guards. Applying that same kind of philosophy and thought process, you come across these wings who are extremely lengthy, have crazy range, and can play this somewhat free safety role. And while, yes, they're not protecting the rim and they're not going to have the opportunity to deter everything that comes that way, they are going to have the opportunity to impact all these types of actions, whether oh, it's and increasingly they are protecting the rim, though. Yes, oh, increase. Yeah, I mean, as 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 offenses shift to be more perimeter oriented, and yeah. you know, help is coming from different locations. It increasingly is these wing players that are that are helping at the rim. No, hundred percent. I mean, and we talk about secondary rim protection a lot. Uh, that was something Pat Williams was incredible with last year seeing Cade make secondary rim protections like we talked about Cade and how much of a stud he is but like that just gives you an idea of the defensive versatility that whatever team that drafts him is going to have that he can be your point guard on offense and protect the rim 
at basically playing as the four man on defense. Anyways, while these wings, yes, they are protecting the rim sometimes, not all the time, but even then they're going to have the opportunity to slide in and get vertical with, with contests. They're going to have the opportunity to dig at the nail. They're going to have the opportunity to split the difference between two weak side players and try to gamble for a steal. There are a lot of opportunities for these guys to make a real impact on the defensive end. And I just think it is a very important line to toe while seeing and recognizing special defense and the impact that it can bring while also not just completely overlooking like somewhat catastrophic catastrophic offense that in some cases does exist with these just off the charts defensive wings yeah and I think Thibel can be an instructive example on both ends of the spectrum in that he had success very early on in his career as a rookie because of this this you know level of impact that his team defense provides he also demonstrates that you're you do need some baseline level of offensive competence that you can't be that unable to shoot that unable to dribble that unable to make plays attacking a closeout you know you you can't just be like a solid cutter that that doesn't work um but yeah you i think to 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 be viable as this type of player you you certainly need a baseline of offensive competence but once you can achieve that baseline of offensive competence, you're adding a ton of value. Um, and you can I think you can really maintain that across a lot of different opponents and team constructions. And, and it makes th- this this sort of player, the, the team defensive wing ace, uh, a really valuable commodity. So I think we're going to cut this part one here. Um, Jake, do you have anything to plug before we head out? Um, I do not. And I'm watching basketball as usual. You can engage with me on Twitter at Jake in the paint. Um, don't really expect anything from me on the writing side. I am kind of experimenting with some video stuff. Um, I have put out like two little kind of quirky film reviews on Sharif Cooper's passing and Jalen Suggs passing. I'm trying to get a little better hang of that video editing right now. It's kind of just a screen recording with me talking over it. But if you're if you're good at that, um, feel free to shoot me a DM. If you have any tips, I'm, I'm very open to kind of how make that how to make that look more professional. But other than that, um, again, I'm just watching games as usual, tweeting, talking hoops. So feel free to engage with me there. I I have faith that one day you're gonna have the Spencer Perlman video editing skills. I mean, I wish I, I, I can't even get uh, an arrow, let alone a highlighting player and dragging <laughs> him across the screen simultaneously. I mean, I think I have a long way to go before I can compete with Spencer. on that Yeah, but you're, you're young. You have upside. <laughs> he, he's, right. an esta- he's an established four year prospect. We'll, we'll give him that. <laughs> All right. Um, you can follow the pod as usual at uh, prep Two pro pod. And you can follow me at Max A. Carlin. Um, And I think that'll do it.